Hi, you are listening to Rock Lads Radio. A podcast discussing inspiring personalities and interesting things. This is your host Tanmay Shah. Tanmay is an India-based NFT artist and an entrepreneur with diverse business experience. This podcast is self-sponsored. The best way to support this show is to buy his art, NFTs. You can also become his patron. Kindly share this episode on socials and with your friends. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Rock Class Radio. Today, we have a very interesting episode with a very interesting person. We have with us Mr. Arun Benty. He is the founder of Fandify. and uh, he's doing bringing in so many innovations in web3 and blockchain i'm so excited for this let us dive in so arun can you please introduce yourself and a bit about your background for the audience sure tanmay thank you so much uh, you know for having me here uh, my name is uh, arun benty uh, i am the co-founder at fantify uh, Fantify is a crowdfunding platform, a Web3 crowdfunding platform. Uh, I've been in the technology space for over two decades. Uh, started off in the year 2000 with, uh, you know, when I co-founded a software services firm. It's still running. We're still we're still very much active. Um, and along the way, I've been involved with a lot of startups uh, around the world. And with Web3, uh, the last three years have been sort of involved in in setting up a team and exploring some opportunities in the web3 ecosystem so that's a, that's a brief uh, introduction to who i am so what firm did you mention uh, two decades ago <clears throat> uh, so the company is called trellisis uh, t- uh, so we dot we we are a software but you could call us a boutique software consultancy um, so we provide a specialized uh, development services to startups around the world okay so you could say we are kind of like a cto on hire so founders oh. come to us um with a business idea and we help them set up a team and bring their product uh, you know uh, to life you know their different stages to a product and we sort of help them through that entire life cycle um we even help them you know get like you know uh, during the process of like building a product you know you're you're building to a specific audience maybe you're building it to raise you know venture funding you know finding product market fit uh, marketing sales so the whole cycle right so it's a fairly complex uh, process and we sort of help uh, founders through all of those functions uh, when it comes to you know taking a, an idea and making it reality right so there are many things to do so very interesting helps help to that so you started in web33 as ago and how did the idea for fandify come what is fandify in brief first yeah absolutely so uh, a little bit of background right so we we were involved with uh, you know having been in the tech space for a long time you know we when we first heard of bitcoin and you know uh, back in i think 2013 you know we set up some rigs uh, in our office and we tr- we even even mined some bitcoin you know lost everything in the mount cox uh, you know whatever group uh, it was uh, 
was a it was a learning experience in the sense like we thought this was a very interesting concept but nothing else you know came out of it right it was still it was still like a very distant uh, concept right so we left that uh, in 2013 and never went back to it you know we got busy with lots of other things um in 2017 i think uh, you know there's a lot of interest in ethereum so it was still very academic you know just reading about it and trying to figure out what is it that what's happening in blockchain space um we did a little bit of consulting for a blockchain company back then and i think it was only in say about 2018 and 2019 that you know things started really moving in the blockchain space and, and cryptocurrencies right so um started dabbling with you know just setting up a wallet and like you know experimenting with different coins you know just like a- anybody would do uh not me as much but my co-founder was was more involved in it and he was the one who kept pushing me you got to check into this you have to see what this is this is there is something really amazing happening uh, i've always been a skeptic in these things okay so i was skeptical for the longest period of time um i just couldn't get my head around the concept um but um i you know one thing that piqued my interest was you know some of the smartest people i knew were get, were moving towards this you know this this platform and and you know generally towards blockchain and web3 so i was like okay I, i think there must be something more to this i really need to sit down and understand it right so went down to really reading up about economics and like you know society and I, i one of the things about cryptocurrency and blockchain is it's not a technology okay it's it's something that sort of combines technology society psychology and lots of it's a very multidisciplinary sort of domain right and um that was very interesting i thought there's just so much more to this and you know i think i i would say the you know the most part most part of 2019 i was just putting my head down reading you know different books going down to the basics right and then trying to figure out what is going on in the space um nfts was still very very new very few people were talking about it and then once nfts came into the picture um you know it really opened a a completely new idea okay i was i was still very intrigued by the concept you know what is it you know what is a digital asset okay what does it mean okay to uh, for for something to be digitally scarce um you know if you think about it um it's very um it's very difficult for someone who's not in the space to get an idea and i think many people even in the space struggle to understand what do we mean by a digital asset right so i it took me a long time to really get my head around what it truly means um but once we got you know this understanding about how scarcity in a digital asset can can be useful um and one of the things that really caught my attention was you know the, the nft is basically a smart contract that automatically distributes royalty right that was fascinating the reason why that was fascinating was you know uh, one of the startups that have been involved with for over a decade is in the book publishing business right and we basically build software that helps you sell ebooks and audiobooks and helps publishers monetize their you know catalog um and royalty is a big part of you know this industry when you're working with authors and publishers and you know 
things like that. And we, I had a sort of a front side view of how opaque the system is, right? Um, you look at somebody who's creator, creating something, like writing a book, and then you go to a publisher who has a lot of leverage. And then, you know, you get a contract and then you write a book and then your book sells. And then if you actually sit down and read author contracts, you'll be shocked, right? I mean, they get like 10% of every book sale that happens, right? It's like a tiny sliver of, you know, money that you make. And then the majority of that is actually made by the publisher, right? Um, and again, you know, there's so much of, uh, there's so much of, uh, what do you call it? There's no transparency in this, okay? Um, you just have to trust that the publisher says this is it you know these are the sales the uh, uh, you know or the retailer like you know would say that these many ebooks are sold and you just trust some of these systems and then there's so much of uh, inefficiency in the way that value moves from me as a fan who reads your book to you as an author by the time you get that check in your hand it almost feels to the author that you know it's not worth it right so uh, so when I looked at, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why authors typically publish not to make money. Okay. Authors publish books for vanity. It's called vanity publishing, right? For a reason, right? You become famous because you're a published author now. That's it. So it's, it, 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 and, uh, when you look at NFTs, uh, that sort of really, you know, brought things into perspective for me saying when a transaction happens, you know, the smart contract kicks in and the royalty gets, you know, distributed to that wallet, right? Which, you know, with the original creator of that NFT. So, um, and this is not a new concept. There are many people who are working on this for a long time, you know, in music and stuff like that. You know, NFTs is, it's been around for, you know, a few years now. Um, so when I sort of thought about NFTs and this whole concept of royalties, what we thought about is how can this empower creators? Okay, how can NFTs empower creators? No matter who you are, you know. Of course, everyone looks at NFTs as art. Okay, I, I never looked at like like it from from that perspective. An NFT is basically an entry on the blockchain that points to something. Okay, that something could be a JPEG file, which is an artwork. It could be like a MP3 file, which is music. MP4, which is a movie could be a document, which is like a book. It doesn't matter, right? Um, so what matters is that there is provenance and there's like this uh, immutable record that says that me, I have created this and I've minted it. That's it. Okay. So it's a, in, in a base level, it's very, very, you know, very simple. It's a very simple concept. Um, so we were like, okay, how can we use this concept? to help creators, you know, fund their creative journey. Okay. So that was really what the idea was, because if you look at somebody who's a creator, let's say an author, I'm just using the perspective, which I had, you know, trained my mind around. I go to a publisher and you get a publishing deal. Okay. And then you get some sort of an advanced payment, okay. To, to write the book. Right. And you spend time sort of sitting and writing the book. But you ask anyone if you can live life as an author, it's it's impossible. It's very difficult. Okay, so it's, it doesn't work like that. Everyone has a day job and you do something. You can apply the same concept to all sorts of creative fields, like whether it's music or like you know, any of the other arts that you talk about. Funding or putting food on the table is a is a critical aspect, right? And if you look at NFTs, it has this very interesting concept where you can apply it 
to create a sort of a, a, a revenue stream for someone who's an artist. Okay? That's really what it is. Because once that smart contract is written, every time the transaction happens, you're getting a percentage of the royalties. Okay? And that's fantastic. So we took all of these base layer concepts and built it into Fandify, where you as an artist can come in, set up a profile, tell your story, and then mint this multi-edition NFT, um, wherein even if I don't know what your art is, it could be a book, it could be music, or it could be like a piece of art, it doesn't matter. I can own a piece of your future book. That's kind of how it works, right? So it's almost like creating a share certificate for yourself as an artist and then doing an IPO. So imagine a, a Tanmay IPO, right? Now, you know, what you're doing is also creative, right? So think about it from a revenue stream point of view, right? So uh, imagine you put out a multi-edition NFT on Fandify saying this is Tanmay's, you know, uh, uh, blockbuster podcast, uh, you know, early edition NFT, right? And let's say each edition of that NFT gives 1% ownership of something in the future, right? And I could like buy maybe five of those NFTs. Um, I get 5% of everything that you do in the future, right? So it's kind of how it works, right? Um, now, yeah, you, it's, it's kind of like uh, doing an IPO, okay? But uh, for your fans, okay? For your followers, uh, and and that's kind of how it works. And and uh, because everything is as an NFT, now what I have from you would be a collectible. It will have secondary value. It has um, you know, and just by holding it, I have means to earn some revenue out of it. Because you know, let's say you do another NFT drop or some sort of a mechanism around NFTs. Every revenue that comes out of that secondary sales, the primary or secondary sales. Because I hold this backer token, which is like a special kind of an NFT, I'll get a little bit of the returns, you know, from you. It's kind of how it works. Okay, so um, that was really the core idea behind, uh, you know, setting up Fantify. Very interesting. The point you mentioned about book, it is very recent and uh, close to me because my younger brother has written a book uh, and <laughs> just 10%, that is so funny. Uh, they're writing, spending so much time writing the book and they just get 10% out of it. And the critical aspect is they just have to accept what the publisher says, right? These many books are sold or not sold. So you have written the software in, in the background. So how, is that tweakable or it's just one way thing, right? How does an artist know that how many books are actually sold or he can't even file a case, right? Or how how, how would that work? See, typically what happens is um, you have to look at the leverage, okay? Who has leverage, okay? So if you look at that, look at it from that perspective, it's the, it's the, uh, it's the publisher that, who has the leverage, okay? They are the ones who, um, you know, who control the information, okay? In any system, whoever controls the information has leverage, okay? So because of that, um, they are the ones who can figure out, uh, like, you know, they, they, they can, you know, see, they, the, the author has little or no control over this, okay? You need to get to a position where you have leverage. Look, you become, like, the most popular author, okay? You become, like, a J.K. Rowling. Then you don't need the publisher. 
right? Okay, you become the publisher. Okay, so it all depends on um, the leverage that you have, right? What NFTs and blockchain does is it puts the information on chain for everyone to see. So now you, you know, you have leverage now, okay, because you have the information, right? Uh, and I think that's kind of the way to think about it. The more um, you know, data that's out there on chain, um, the more control you have as as a individual creator. And you know, uh, that's kind of how it works. But yeah, in the publishing industry uh, or in any other industry, even in music, for instance, uh, if Spotify says that these are the streams that you've got, that's it. What are you going to do about it, <laughs> right? There's no way you can verify. Verify, right. Verification is possible in Web3 and it gives that leverage to the artist, to the yes. system, the trust is there on the system. Exactly. So understanding technically, uh, fans can support the artist and get royalties from the further sale of the artist, yes. uh, of his music, of his artwork his book or whatever they are doing, even a podcast or YouTube channel. So how how does that get into the system? Because we are just using Ethereum right now. You are, are you in other chains also? Even if you are, okay, five, ten chains. How does that... Uh, then the leverage is the artist, right? Okay, I have published yeah. a video on YouTube. I have made so much on YouTube and now I need to give that to the other people. So how, how does Fandify manage this? Great question. Okay, so in, if you look at DeFi, right, uh, in decentralized finance, you know, everything is on chain. The smart contracts are visible for everyone to see and then the transactions all happen in, in the digital sphere. It's not the same for, let's say, music. Okay, so let's say, let's, let's talk about music itself. So let's say you set up a Fantify project and then, you know, people buy your backer token and then they own some percentage. Now, let's say your revenue comes from your YouTube streams, it comes from real-world events like live shows, it comes from all sorts of, like, you know, external factors, right? But what happens in the blockchain is that there is proof that so many people supported you by paying you so much money, okay? And this is the record. It's, it says that this is how the setup was. This is the promise that you've made. This is what you will give back, right? And... If you don't follow up with your you know, smart contract, there is also something called a social contract. You have a social contract with your fans and that is also on chain, right? So maybe you made some you know, revenue on like a live show and let's say on your project, you said for all my live shows, 10% or 20% of everything I make, I'm gonna give it to my fans, right? Yes, you could say I made less in my live show, fine, okay, or I made more or whatever, right? Maybe that is still opaque today, but uh, you still need to pay something back to your fans. And again, like, you know, fans are not like uh, financial, you know, they're not like financial uh, analysts, right? They are following you and supporting you because they want to see you succeed. And if they see you succeed, they also succeed in many different ways, okay? And you as a true you know, I think artists in the future, their leverage is with their fan base. They will do everything they can to support their fans, right? It's, it's almost like a symbiotic relationship, okay? So, um, I think when we talk about trustless systems, right? 
the mechanisms are there but a lot of business and a lot of you know things that we do also works on a on a on a trust basis as well okay not everything can be trustless you know at least we have not reached that position where we can audit every single thing um but for every artist or creator knows that they need the support of their fans and it's so crucial for them to maintain that fan base what we feel and believe in is like there are the tools that are available today to truly empower your fans are not there if i spend all my time building a twitter audience or an instagram audience or, or followers or facebook audience i don't own them right these platforms own them tomorrow i could get deep platform with a single click of a button i don't have i actually don't own anything but if you use nfts me as an artist have complete one on one control or connection with my fan base and no one, no other uh, it, it, the power to be associated with me or not is in the hands of the fans and nobody else no platform that's really what the true power is mm-hmm. very interesting <laughs> so i'll just highlight once again that for all the creators all the artists this is a very innovative way to uh, be have your audience have your fans on your journey from now and beyond till you progress until all the projects you do so arun there's another thing which is popular with creators which is called patreon so many youtubers use that they have the links there yeah it's a basically monthly subscription kind of thing where they will give you a shout out in their videos or they will give you some bonus clips or if there's some technical video creator they'll have some specific videos that are just meant for the audience who have who are in the patreon list so how how is fanify similar and different to patreon or buy me coffee there's a coffee something about yeah. that you can buy a cup of coffee to uh, your your the artist uh, that you support or the creator that you support absolutely great question so i think uh, you know i think a lot of what fanify wanted to or is planning on doing is to is to do what patreon is doing but without the stack that it you know that that creators and artists are like sort of begging for funds okay or you know for support patreon literally feels like that you know so i'll tell you what the problem the big problem with patreon is you have your subscribers let's take youtube as as a classic example so you will have your youtube subscribers and then many youtube subscribers have uh, an option to to upsell some additional special content if you're a patreon subscriber right so you have free content that you know you get some subscribers and then you have some premium subscribers who pay you a small fee this fee could be like $5 a month or $10 a month or something like that right um and that's kind of how patreon works now the subscription model what it does is that yes it it gives you some sort of a steady monthly income right to a lot of these creators but it also puts an extreme amount of strain on creators to be constantly put pushing out stuff every month okay you're constantly uh, there's a lot of burnout among creators okay because you have to constantly feed your audience okay because they're paying you every month they expect okay this month i'm paying you 5 5 where's my article where's my special video where's this where is that you know so there is it, it 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 is a it's an extremely stressful sort of a you know ecosystem right when you're when you're working in a subscription model and there've been lots of documented cases where 
um, it feels like you're constantly working uh, all the time for your free channel, but you have to work 10 times harder to make sure that your Patreon subscriber base stays there and, and there's no churn and people don't unsubscribe because they all want to know what is it for me because I'm a special Patreon subscriber, right? You take the same model, okay, and you flip it around and say, okay, now instead of a Patreon subscription, I'm going to mint some limited edition backer tokens that you can hold and you can use this as a, uh, as a, as a ticket for my special content, right? You can, or you can sell it in the secondary market, okay, as a collectible. There's so many ways in which you can uh, look at this digital asset now. It's a one-time thing, okay? Or maybe I have different editions, or maybe I have different seasons, right? But these are scarce digital assets that you can roll out with a small number, right? Not unlimited, right? So there's a small number that you can roll out. And if you have a fan base that is really interested in your future, they buy it, okay? And they can hold it as an investment, right? Or they can trade it in the secondary market. And you keep continuing to get some sort of these revenue. So it's, it's more like uh, the best way to, uh, way to think about this is instead of me paying you every month on Patreon, okay, I will, I will buy this digital asset of yours for a one-time fee with the expectation that tomorrow this becomes an asset that I can sell for a 10x. It's a speculative asset because it's digital and it's scarce. Okay. That's where uh, NFTs is a fundamentally different way of thinking about the same Patreon model. So you as a creator now can have the space to just concentrate on your craft. So you have these funding cycles, right? Maybe you do a NFT drop every year and then that funds you for the entire year. Right, yeah. that you can really you know concentrate on your craft. Of course, you there there could be many instances where someone does this and they make some money and they just becomes a scam. They just like don't bother. That's possible. Okay, but I think you know there will come a time where you know these there will be this new breed of creators. Okay, who if I hold a few of their earlier works like their NFTs. Okay, it's going to be a massive uh, win, like say 15, 10, 20 years down the line. That's really what the whole concept is out here. So for the listeners, once again, I'll just highlight this point. You see many YouTubers that offer uh, T-shirts or coffee mugs or something like that. Those are assets, but physical assets with physical utility. Yes. You might, you might not be able to resell them. Unless yes. it is autographed or <laughs> and you're at a pawn shop somewhere to sell right. it. With uh, FanDefy, what Arun is, uh, has brought to our, the utility, what he has brought to all of us is that you as fans can own the NFT, own the digital asset and even resell it whenever you want with least hassle, without going anywhere, without packing or delivering or without any, any other things. You can just resell it or hold it and see the value uh, building on it. That's a very interesting point. So Arun, uh, we talked about, so there's one question, then why Fandify? Because even in, in, in podcasts and videos like this, I tell my supporters that if you want to support this channel, 
if you like what you're doing then buy you can buy my nft and then i uh, give links or you can become a patreon so right. i give links in the description so uh, supporters can directly go and buy nfts on opensea right that's uh, again digital art and it's it's there like they can just collect it from there and they can support it in that way also right. so how is fandify and their mechanism beneficial both for the uh, fans and for collectors as well as for the artist great question so okay so there was this uh, there is this interesting concept called social coins right so you must have heard of you know this there the sites called roll uh, rally and a few other startups uh, where you can go and create your own erc20 token so i can create a tanmay coin for instance right and i can create a 1 million supply of that and then i can get my fans to you know buy this and then um, you know people you know because of supply and demand your coin value will go up and then you know uh, that's one way of fundraising it's like an ico right so you have one way of uh, you know getting your fans to buy into your token right um, that was that has been a very popular concept you know but the problem with that is there are a lot of these pump and dump schemes okay so you know it's very easy to manipulate the economics of that so i can come in and if you're a famous uh, you know person with a social coin i can artificially bloat the price up by buying a lot and then like you know i can i can essentially sell off at a higher price and then crash the whole market or if you yourself as a as a creator want to uh, sell some coins and pay the bills you will crash your economy so you you see it's a fairly complex thing if you're going to it's it's like running your own country man with your own currency and stuff else such a complicated way of uh, raising funds and and making your fans involved because all they're doing is buying a tanmay coin i mean what what does it mean okay it it it's like currency right it's just currency but uh with uh with fandify we're taking that basic concept of a currency okay and turning it into a multi edition nft Okay. Now you could say that, hey, what's the difference? You know, uh, I have my fans. I can tell them, hey, go to Patreon, or um, I can say, you know, buy my NFTs, right? But what we are trying to do is, you can do what you're doing with Patreon as well, okay, by token gating, right? Based on if you have this NFT, I'll give you access to this. But if you have three editions of this NFT, you get this. Or if you have ten editions, you get something else. You understand? So. it's because it's these are multi edition nfts how many editions you own determines which level of fan you are and what level of access you have right so it is the utility is built into the number of editions so i could say that you maybe you have a one we can we can make a thousand let's say we make a thousand edition nft right and you can say that anyone who owns a hundred editions or more okay is a special guest when you when you have your live show tickets are free forever right there are your super fans okay but if you hold like say 10 nfts there in a different level so you see uh, the multi edition concept is kind of like what social coins does okay but unlike social coins where i can pump and dump and manipulate the market these are nfts so there is no specific price the market is like the fans they determine the price so it gives you that certain level of protection plus it has some artistic value as well maybe it is like some it's a good looking like you know nft with some artistic value 
so it has utility it has resale value it has a, it it can also be considered an artifact okay so there's so many functions uh, wherein you can use this so you're right um, what makes pandify special is that we have basically made it easy for artists to do this that's all okay we are helping you write your smart contract and mint your multi edition nft right using our backer tokens so when you mint your backer token with say a thousand editions or a hundred editions and you mint your actual nfts on top of that the revenue distribution when a sale happens happens automatically on chain so you don't have to manually configure that that's all okay so we're just making it easy for somebody to do it and we are completely decentralized so everything is stored in ipfs you get your own smart contract okay nothing is written on our smart contract so every project in fact is different okay it's uh, its own smart contract so all that difficult so you don't need to go and hire a developer and do this so you can just do it right away okay and it's completely free our fee is basically we take a commission on every sale that happens so that's basically where we make our make our money I'll I'll put it uh, I'll reframe it from two perspectives from mm-hmm. one from the perspective of who are still not on crypto or still not on NFTs yes. so those people who are listening and who are creators as uh, Varun said you can you are like giving a you're giving shares of yourself like a private limited or a public limited or a listed company like we see on stock market you can create that and you can sell it to your collectors that way you can raise funding and that all is on a contract you don't have to manually do anything uh, everything is automated whatever promise you have made of how much returns they will get on future sales that is automatically done through the contract that is number 1 number 2 uh, is from uh, the perspective of uh, people who already on nfts so i asked him the question uh, what if i just sell it on open sea that that was a what uh, that was an interesting thing that he said it's a mixture of both patreon and open sea so different levels get different things also you own an nft that you can resell now um about let us dive deeper into the things that you can do so um as you mentioned royalties from future sales so how how does that work is there a uh is there a structure that you already have or there is any possibility or what is usually done in pandify sure. see secondary sales is still a very new concept uh in the nft space okay in the sense um if the secondary sale happens on pandify's marketplace the revenue distribution happens in real time it, it's immediately distributed but if the secondary sale happens let's say on a third party like say opensea right because once i buy your nft i can sell it on opensea okay nothing stops me from doing that but then what happens is that the second the opensea basically now has to you know will send the royalty to you know to the uh, what do you call to the artist or the creator and then they have to manually now distribute it to to the the fans there's no way to fully automate that flow yet okay what we can do is bring out social signals okay social signals basically means that i can very easily say hey this nft had x amount of secondary sales this much has reached the creator's wallet and x number of tokens or so much of eth 
is yet to be distributed to the fans. I mean, you can literally show a balance sheet online and say, this person has made so much money, but he's not paid his fans yet. That's a bad social signal. Okay. Uh, all you have to do is click one button and everyone gets paid. Okay. But that signal will be there for your fans to see, right? And that's the beauty of blockchain. It, it will always reflect. Okay. Uh, so all Fandify will do is it will show the artist, the creator and the fans like a mirror, right? It's there. Nobody can turn around and say, yaar, I've not made secondary sales. Well, no, you have. It's there. Okay. So, uh, you know, so that's the, that's the thing. But there's also a point to be made that uh, sometimes they are private secondary sales. Okay. And this is like a problem with many, like, you know, transactions and there's, very little that we can do about it. Uh, there's a lot of work that's happening. There's some new NFT, uh, like, uh, you know, um, standards that are being developed to standardize royalties so that artists get their due. Okay. This is not a technology problem. This is a social problem. Okay. So let's say I want to sell you an NFT, right? I can do what we call a private transfer, right? I can transfer it to your wallet, right? And then you can just send me the ETH. So that way we don't have to pay commission to anyone, including the creator of that NFT. Mm. Okay. But let's say tomorrow we do this transaction. Okay. We'll have to do it using some, it's very difficult to hide it. You understand? So somebody will figure out that we basically did a transaction and we did it in such a way that the creator of that artwork didn't get the secondary sale royalties. Okay. That's a bad signal for you and me. And the beauty of the blockchain is that it's so apparent that, you know, this fraud has happened, you know, so people will not do it. So that's the social contract, okay, that comes along with the smart contracts, I think. And tomorrow, there's a lot of work happening, uh, you know, in the background to, to make sure that platforms like OpenSea make this data transparent. They have to publicly show X amount of sales have happened, this much amount of uh, transactions have happened, secondary, all of that has to be transparent so everyone can see it, right? Aren't so they it, doing it now? They, it is available, right? It is available, but it's still a little opaque, okay? In the sense, like, you know, if there's a private transfer that happens, there's no way to show that, like, something like this happened, okay? And it's possible that there's a question mark, that there is something wrong with this transaction, okay? Because it was done privately, but it's possible. No, I mean, I could move my NFT from my own wallet, from one wallet to a second wallet. I can transfer it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's there's it no way. Of... It doesn't show transfers, but yeah. people, there's a work around it. You can yeah. see a number of sales and you can compare with that with number of owners. Exactly. So when you get that figure, you might uh, know exactly. how many tra- transactions have taken place, but that's still... An appro- approximation, not uh, actual figures. It's not actual figures. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, the, like I said, it's a long way to go. And I think there's a lot more work that needs to be done to ensure that artists get their due. Uh, you mentioned that there are some contracts where they will get all the future royalties. So, can the artist keep it in this way that, okay, only for the next year or only for two years or put a limit on that because what if they want a second round of funding? What if they want something new or something more from Absolutely. the same fans? Absolutely. So for Fantify, the way we have created the platform is that 
you can create unlimited number of projects or phases, right? So you can have phase one and that phase one can have in your terms and conditions, you can say my phase one is only for the next six months or for the next five years or two years, whatever. You can set your time frame, right? After that, it's explicitly, it's over. That that entire, like, you know, that set that you've sold is over, right? And you, you don't need to continue to give royalties or continue to uh, abide by that contract. It depends on how you're writing the project. That's it, okay? So you can... You can specify it however you want, okay? But if those artifacts still continue to have secondary sales, because of the smart contract, you continue to get secondary royalties on those, okay? It doesn't stop you, absolutely. So it's very flexible. You can do it the way you want. Mm -hmm. So as you were mentioning about burnout and other ways mm -hmm. of doing it, Twitter has something like super follow um, that I see many people subscribing to as well. Those people who are doing spaces and... Uh, are influential, maybe collectors or something, they have done this option of super follow where you can give a monthly subscription and then they, it's like Patreon, they tell you what, what things they can do. So that is there. There are more things coming out like that. And about the burnout factor, how the burnout is reduced with uh, Fandify? So, see, uh, I would say, you know, when I say, when I say, when I talk about the burnout part of it, right, the context of the burnout is is when you're looking at successful creators on Patreon or any other any of these Web two platforms, um, the the amount of work that you need to do to sustain a subscriber base. See, maintaining a subscriber base without churn is very very difficult. Okay, in fact, you know, uh, even a company like Netflix with nearly unlimited funding sees you know, downward trend of subscribers, okay? We have subscriber, like, you know, there's a glut of things that we, today there are people who are unsubscribing everywhere, okay? Because there's so many things that you're paying for, you want to cut down costs everywhere, okay? Subscri subscription as a model, as a business model, even for well-established businesses, is a very hard to sustain, okay? You have to constantly exceed yourself, month on month on month, Okay, so that's kind of how, where, where there's a problem. But if you look at like uh, a few YouTube stars, like say, I think, uh, at, uh, what's his name? Logan, Paul Logan, I think. So he did, a, you know, so he's got a subscriber base. Okay, a few million followers on, on, on YouTube, right? So he did a, recently did an NFT, you know, project. Okay, it's called 99 or something like that, I think. Okay, he shot 99 photographs, okay, very uniquely styled photographs. It took him about three months or something to do it. But he has raised, using NFTs, he's raised over, what, almost a million dollars now, okay, which has all gone into a community fund, right? Some of these creators, they don't need the funding per se, okay, but they need to engage their fans, right? So what better way to engage the fans? There are two ways. One is... You have to constantly churn out new engaging content. Absolutely. That's without a, without a given, okay? Without a fact that you have to do that. But to maintain your fans, if you give them a digital asset that they can hold on to, which is what an NFT is, okay, is a lot easier. I don't need to continuously sell it again and again. The market takes care of it, right? Once, I, once my asset is minted and my fan base owns it, I just continue doing my creative work, right? The market handles the value of that NFT, right? 
I don't need to I don't need to constantly answer questions like hey I'm subscribing every month I pay ten dollars okay what have you given me this month I don't need I don't need to answer those kind of questions that's how this concept stops the whole what do you call uh, burnout of course this will not work for all creators okay you still need to have a subscriber base you still need to have a focused audience you still need to have a business model. You probably even need to have a Patreon subscriber base before you can transition to this. Okay, it, it's 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 uh, yeah. you know I I think many people look at NFTs like a quick get quick uh, get rich quick sort of a scheme. You come in and then you suddenly do a drop and then people are falling over each other to buy your NFT and suddenly there's so much of money in your bag in your wallet and now you don't know what to do. Those things don't happen. Okay, it's very rare. Okay, so. It's a sustained, like, you know, process. So I have a counterpoint to this. Mm -hmm. With Fandify, it is one-time purchase, mm -hmm. right? You get NFTs one time. So the artist is getting all the funds one time. With Patreon, it's a continuous thing. So you right. know that, okay, your basic things will be taken care of because these artists are supporting uh, me through the Patreon or any other channels. Right. And I can focus on my artwork. I don't need to run for the day-to-day things. With Fandify, they have only paid once and it's done. What about the once that amount is, will get over, right? They will, he will yeah. need another subse subsequent round of fundings. And even for the first time sell, I suppose they keep a higher price because they, they think that, okay, with higher yeah. price, I'll be able to cover one whole year together. But for that higher price also, you need that many uh, supporters who will... Uh, Right. who will say purchase that right so there has to what i'm trying to say is they have to they'll have to have that of that much amount of work needs to be done to at least create that first thousand super fans or some Absolutely. some till some level they have to reach and these are different methods that they can use to uh, raise funds and collect funds and stay connected with the audience what no, absolutely think about that See, I can give you examples on Fandify itself of how this can work for smaller use cases and larger use cases. Okay, so we yeah, that had... was my that was my next question. What are what are the success stories with the yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, please go ahead. The first, I would say, the most uh, interesting success story uh, was in our initial first month when we launched. Uh, we had an artist uh, from uh, you know. Uh, uh, from Kerala, she basically she set up a small project to raise, I think, uh, $500 or something like that. Okay. And the objective of that fundraise was basically to buy an iPad and an eye pencil so that she can do these mandala style, like intricate drawings. Okay. Previously, she was doing it on a desktop and it's not like very intuitive to do it. Right. So, she set up a project that had a very simple objective. And this artist, based in India, can't afford to buy an iPad and these are my works and if you buy my you know uh, backer tokens I'll be able to purchase an iPad and then I can produce some really spectacular NFTs and guess what if my NFTs sell I'll give you 50 or 60 percent of everything I make to my early backers okay it's my starting point as an artist that was it that was really the the thing okay so Guess what happened? Many people just like said, hey, you know what? I, you know, you want an iPad. That's it, right? Here you go. And they just bought 
the backer tokens, right? Because it's I, very few backers thought, oh, you know what, this person is going to become famous and this $10 that I'm putting is going to become $10,000. Nobody looks at it like that, okay? They're like, I just want this artist to buy the iPad and create some artwork. Let me see it, okay? So that was a starting point. She went out there, she did it, and she tweeted, and she said, I'm so glad that my backer token sold out. See, I, I've bought my stuff. She, in fact, tweeted that, you know, this, this, is, this is what I did, and this is what I got. And over the next course of a few months, she put out a lot of her NFTs, and who bought it? The people who bought her backer tokens, again, went and bought the NFT as well. You feel mm-hmm. like you're part of something, okay? Mm-hmm. So the funding aspect sometimes works from that side. There is a social aspect to it that's very, very strong, not the financial side, right? There are some people. So what Fantify tries to do is like balances both. And it can work for small initiatives like this, okay? And it can also work for larger initiatives. So let's say you are making a film now. We have a couple of film projects as well. That are so trying can, to you just raise... main, uh, can you just na- uh, name the person who raised funds for the iPad? Yeah, so I think this was uh, uh, Tangled Diva, I think. Okay, she she's the one. I, she's there on her, on our, uh, you know, if you go to our Fantify website, you will find one of the earliest projects. Uh, you know, she does these mandala arts, okay, where, you know, these sort of intricate drawings. I'm um, on the website right now. Yeah. I'm on the Fantify app.fantify.com. Yes, yes. So go to this project called Serene Loops, okay, and you'll see... And you'll see the, and you'll see the the project, okay. So that was the project. Okay, Serene Loops. Yeah. So she raised what six hundred matic, I think. I think when she raised that, uh, matic prices were also high. So. So that gives you an idea. Okay, it's a very small fundraise. I don't see a search option here. So if you just scroll down, it's uh, one, of, one of the early projects. Okay. So, Serene Loops, guys, you can check yes. it out. I will also find a link and put it in. Yeah. Yes. Now, let's talk about the bigger projects like films. <laughs> See, the, when, uh, when we are talking of bigger projects, okay, um, we started concentrating a lot on film-related projects, okay? And there have not been many successful film related nft launches yet okay so it's very very new and there were some things and you know we've been out only for the last eight months or something that we've been live okay so one of the learnings is that as projects get larger and bigger um the amount of protection that you need to give people who are buying into these projects you know get becomes greater okay so let's say i want to raise two hundred thousand dollars now okay using uh using fantify now, the person who's buying these NFTs needs some protection. That's a lot of money, okay? Is the person going to uh, do what they tell they are going to do, right? Are they going to complete the project? All of these factors come into, come into question. So one of the new features that we're building in into the system is a way in which you have an automated sort of a DAO that's part of this sale, okay? It's like all built in. You don't have to go and write some special smart contract to do this, right? So... Um, I'll give you one simple example. There could be a project where you can set it up as a as a filmmaker and say, hey, you know what? I want to raise $200,000, okay? And this is my vision for this film. This is what I want to do. And don't pay me all this money at once. I just want $10,000 a month. That's it, 
right? So it's like a vesting period. So every month from that community wallet, 10,000 USDC will be transferred to the creator's wallet, right? Now, what does that do to me as, an, as a person who's bought into this NFT? Well, if I don't, if I think that this, this project is not progressing well, okay, I can burn that NFT and I can get a portion of the money that I gave out from the wallet instantly. Okay, I can quit. I can quit and take the money back. So what this does is I can participate in some really good projects, which I believe in. But if things go sour, uh, the community can decide to like, hey, this has gone too much. Let's pull the plug, right? And they can all decide or individually also you can decide to pull out. So there are many of these sort of concepts that are still very new and they're slowly coming into the public domain. Okay, so we're working on different concepts of this sort where you have a lot of protection for larger projects. So on Fantify, we are yet to see large projects. I mean, we have done like $5,000, you know, $10,000. Those are the sort of limits that you can do in terms of this level of fundraising. The minute you go a little bit bigger, you need to have a lot more protection and that's kind of what we're working on next that is very interesting you can burn it so in both the ways you can manage yeah i i have a good friend uh, named shuruk she's from uh, and she yeah. she has raised around five three thousand usdc yeah so how how was her journey she was like you just uh, need to contribute eight dollars and you'll have certain yes person from the sale so hers was a very interesting, so she was probably one of our first like well-known artists who came onto the platform, okay, who had like a, you know, a very interesting story, you know, some of her artwork is banned in Kuwait and all that, okay, so she, she's got this really, you know, fascinating story um, and her profile page is something that you can just sit and read, okay, you can just like, it's, it almost reads like, you know, a history in terms of everything that she's been through, it's very fascinating. See, with Fantify, you know, I think the way to think about Fantify is you come in to discover new people, artists, okay? And then you can buy into their future. That's kind of how we should look at it. So when Shuru came and set up her platform, um, we just knew that this is going to be big, okay? I mean, she's, she's you know, she, she's got a lot of history. She's done a lot of work. So when you buy her backer token, you just know that just holding that backer token over a period of time, it's just simply going to pay out, okay, you, you know, and that's it. And actually, it is paying out, okay. So, she has started to sell a lot of her NFTs and we, you know, with Fantify, you can actually go to my, I can show you, if I go to my wallet, I can see all the little, you know, uh, matic that keeps coming into my wallet because of all the artists that we own, right. You, 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 you see that ecosystem slowly building, right. So, the idea with Fantify is like, you know, you come in and you buy, you come in and buy early, there's no point in buying an artist's work once they've hit like big time, okay? You probably can't afford it. But come in and support them when no one knows them and you've sort of discovered, okay? That is much more exciting, right? And then you be part of that journey as they grow. That is the most interesting point. Buy in early and buy in the journey of the artists. Exactly, exactly. Be part of the journey, okay? That is much, much more rewarding, right? You want, when the artist becomes famous and they write their autobiography, right? They want, you want your name to be in that and say like, hey, you know, these are the people who, you know, these are the wallets that supported me when I was, no one knew me, right? That's the story, right? That is something that you can pass on to your kids and your grandkids, <laughs> you know? 
so very interesting point and you are mentioning about contracts or giving yeah. out free tickets to the first yeah. live contract that reminded me of my nft that i did so 2021 was a great year and all my collectors in 2021 i made a special nft that was my best of the best three, uh, artwork that i did at that time so on 1st of january i gave it to them and in the unlockable contents on open sea i had given couple of things so one of that was uh, they'll have free access to all my conferences or live show that i do for the next 10 years right <laughs> then there was yeah then then there was then there were a couple of more things so that reminded me of that now it's interesting to see because again there's the manual work there right description seeing their wallet and contact when actually they come to redeem it or when they come but with fantify i think that all can be automated absolutely can you have like scanner and qr code and just check it out uh, instead of manually looking it up so this test it okay this is i have this backer token and i have the access sort of so we have something called uh, uh, we are building something called a token gate okay a token gate is basically again a lot of this works on the digital side okay now uh, you can do something similar on the physical space as well okay but physically basically what you can do is like if you can sign into your wallet and you have my nft then i will print out a unique ticket for you that you can redeem it uh, you know that you can use at a physical event okay so it's very easy to do that okay it's not not a difficult concept thing is identity you have to make sure that the person who owns this nft is the one who's you know accessing it okay so i i am always you know tell people that when you're looking at nfts and you're tying it to the physical world we still there's still a lot of work that needs to be done okay an nft is only tied to a wallet it's not tied to a person okay so it's difficult but on the digital side let's say you have a online conference okay and you're giving access what you can do on fantify is it's very very simple you can go in and you can choose that people who hold this nft or this nft plus my foundation work plus my open sea work you can create like multiple combinations okay and then you can say only if they have this they have access to this page and on that page you can do whatever you want you can embed your twitch stream you can embed your youtube video you can you can do all sorts of things in that page and only people who have the token have access to that page so that's the token gating stuff that we are that we are building now okay where that's you can sort of control it i just remembered a person who is very active and can make a very good use of this uh, mariam uh, she has around 70000 followers on uh, twitter and she does spaces she also has a super follow yeah so what she is offering is a zoom call with her and her tips for many other things and so on absolutely so i think that 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 can also be embedded in that all people can access directly absolutely. join the link see one of the other underutilized features of nfts is like uh, proof of participation nfts right so um free poap uh, poap okay now poaps are you know i think underutilized you know in my view it's a very very powerful concept okay and the reason why it's a little difficult is because see think about NF- nfts are they cost money when you transfer and you do certain things okay it is still expensive okay to do it so um we we have a pilot proof of concept 
okay and we have and we actually use this in namaste nft okay and it worked beautifully well right so the way it works on fantify is that you can mint a free nft that anyone who attends a physical space or a digital space can claim right it's basically an nft that all it requires you is you is you to sign your wallet but on top of that you also have to put in a password okay and that password is accessible only if you attended a space or if you attended like an event okay so it's something that you can get uh, like let's say at a physical let's say let's take a simple example okay this will relate to um, you hold twitter spaces okay and people come and attend let's say a few hundred people come and attend every week right um, let's say you want to reward uh your most regular attenders people who come in every week okay you want to reward them okay let's say if you come for five of my shows you are eligible to get a free zoom call with me same concept right that's that's basically the thing now what what you can do with this with this uh with this new feature that we have on fantify is that you can have a token gated page okay or basically a page which hosts your uh twitter space nft and uh, you know and this nft can have like 500 editions or whatever right or 1000 editions and then you can have a password for each session okay so let's say i come into session 1 or like on today's space i come in and then during the space because it's audio you can say guys you know today's like passcode is this okay and whoever is attending the space okay now of course maybe they can go and tell their friends also but what i'm basically trying to say is like this is not like you know nsa level security but think about it in a simple sense that you know at that space if you're attending and you hear the passcode you can go at that point and you can claim this free nft that's it okay you can just like basically sign in with your wallet it's a one click option no gas fee nothing you just claim it that's it okay and it and it is there then uh, the second space happens and i can go and go and claim another time okay so i can keep claiming it but i have not transferred it yet as a as a creator i can transfer it whenever i want when i do the transfer it's a one time fee and we are on polygon okay so maybe you spend like 2 cents or something to do the transfer and you can transfer a few thousand free nfts to hundreds of people's wallets now what has happened here is you're suddenly you've rewarded people who are attending your space okay and with one click you can see who your most active space participants are okay you can say like hey this wallet belonging to this email address and this twitter address Uh, has twenty poems. That means they are my most loyal fans. They keep coming back. Okay, you cannot do that on Twitter today. You can't do it on any platform. Okay, and because that's an NFT, now you can do all sorts of things. Right? You can maybe transfer some ETH to their wallet, or you can give them an NFT, or maybe you can give them a discount. Okay, on something that you do. It could be so many things. Right? That is beautiful. Like with the ENS domains, they had transferred a lot of ETH to all the holders. Yeah. So that is something that can be done. With with uh, respect to Twitter Spaces, uh, our Twitter Spaces going on very well. We have uh, 1.5k average people coming in every Saturday. Wow. So I do a two or twelve hour space. You are also there a couple of times. Yep. So we have. uh around 60 to 100 people online at any given time and about 1500 or so people come in every week so this could be something very good i could announce that next time yeah it would be 
<laughs> and that page will be available only during the space after the space is over you can't claim it okay so it's it's a great way to farm your listeners okay and like create this subscriber base or like this like follower base okay which can have which you can which you can utilize it in so many creative ways even on podcast so each episode i give out something and they can <laughs> yeah go and claim it yeah. so on one podcast we had with us uh, crypt, the the face of crypto voxels yeah. our uh, pseudo name is bitpixie and she wanted to do a giveaway yeah so my brain figures out things to do a work arounds to that i mean lot of manual work but then we still do it but with fandify it be so easier to do with just couple of clicks and so on yeah so in that what we said was i knew who means i just i gave a code or i just gave give a phrase by which i would understand which people have watched the episode uh-huh. or not right and then when they do follow the instruction uh then i transfer them then i ask for the wallet and then i transfer it to them a lot of that takes up a bit of time so this can happen now directly that's a very cool idea yeah. and it was great to you mentioned nf uh, namaste nft in bangalore which happened in may it was so great to meet you i'm going to add a photo of that also in this video absolutely man i had made a poem for that uh not a poem it was just a token of gratitude to right. mark a day that i met you on uh, this yes first time in a real life uh, web3 event so did you receive that it was a photo of an iris i think it is i think it, see this is one of the other big problems okay when you when you give poaps or when you transfer right i have no idea okay whether i received it it's because when you transfer you know what happens right it goes off it your hidden okay they have to go there you have to unhide it and all that so i think i have received it but i don't even know which is the one that you sent me okay so this is one thing we are trying to solve in fantify okay the minute you try to claim you no know, you use normal web2 methodologies you get an email you click a button you know so when the transfer happens i receive a nicely worded email from you saying hey i've sent it click here guess what the wow. click takes yeah. me to the hide page the hidden page in open sea with the option to say unhide this because your friends send you this so it's this user experience is important okay otherwise absolutely you know it it's not scalable so there's so many of these small small things that we have to sort of think through and uh, i have to check uh, tanmay now that you said that you can't because i completely forgot that you mentioned that you sent me this okay and now that you're telling you know, yes after this i have to go and check oh which is the nft you sent me because uh, nfts is becoming like spam okay you need permission status levels where you 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 know you to keep on top of what is happening and we just don't look into the hidden space at all nowadays you know it's just yeah it's because it it is a bit risky also right with uh, i don't know what yeah. is the status now but there were some nfts that would wipe out the wallet if you if it is if it is unexpected or it's coming from sources that you didn't ex uh, Uh, so we'll get into that in a moment yeah. but what point you mentioned about email and that would be such an amazing uh, <laughs> interface and i'm totally in for that uh, i'll probably use fandify for all my uh, things the, the giveaways or poaps that i'm doing Absolutely. very interesting so uh, about those about those contracts uh, i'll just take a segue yeah people transfer anything and how were they able to wipe out the wallet just by a transfer or somebody trying to delete it delete it or 
transfer it somewhere else see uh, one of the one of the things to understand is like an nft in itself let's say this is an nft uh, that has been transferred to your to your wallet um, there's nothing specifically malicious about that nft right unless say the metadata has some payload that you go and click on and it does something else okay like i said the nft is nothing but like a record on the blockchain but that can point to a file okay that file could have all sorts of malicious intent okay it could be anything stored on ipfs if it gets downloaded it could be it could be harmful but you know by itself an nft can't do anything it can't like you know just because i sent that would mean like uh, the most dangerous thing i could just i know your wallet i'll just send you the nft <laughs> once it reaches your wallet just wipes i mean come on it, it just doesn't work like that right so it, there has to be some action okay and what happens with a lot of these scams is that there's a lot of social engineering that happens okay so let's say you know there there are instances where you're taken to a site that kind of looks exactly like open sea okay but for some reason you're locked out right and then you have to connect your wallet but when you collect your wallet it doesn't actually pull up metamask it pulls up a small window that looks like metamask and asks you to put your seed phrase there and this has been done very successfully across lots of scams where uh, you know i've known i've i've personally known people who have put in their seed phrase unknowingly into a window that looks like metamask right and the minute you do that you know that oh shit now it's like it goes into that cycle and then that's when your funds get wiped out so it's a lot to do with the social engineering part from so you mentioned yeah. you mentioned entering the seed phrase but i've also heard of cases where they deleted the item or tried to burn it or do something like that with that also it happened so how so because nobody actually goes and downloads a file from a metadata or something like that see if you do something you know what happens in some cases let's say you're doing it on let's say you're doing it on the website itself okay which is like sort of minting where the nft is being minted right when the nft is being minted you are going to the site you're minting the nft and or you're like buying the nft right it opens metamask and there is a transaction there you know it's very clearly written what you are doing right so the problem is that wallets today have the worst user experience i think metamask is probably the worst okay in terms of just user experience it's terrible okay you don't know what's happening there okay you don't know if you're giving permission to something whether you're revoking permission everything is a transaction right and sometimes these transactions can be dangerous and you don't know what you're doing right so you think you're minting the nft but maybe there is some other things that it's doing maybe it's asking for permission instead of saying it's a transfer of an nft it's something else okay and you don't know okay so, so sometimes those sort of things also happen what i usually suggest the audience on the spaces like on space we discuss everything we mm. uh, want to help them to uh, help us to yeah. help you that's what i said uh, so i say uh, create a burner wallet when you are minting from the other side yeah. so whatever happens that is limited to that wallet Yes. Burner wallet is an additional wallet. So my question, uh, circling back to the question, there are hundreds of uh, Polygon-based NFTs lying in my hidden folder that I, I didn't expect. I don't know where they are coming from. Yeah. Uh, so there was just one case where he was like, "I 
try to delete those one of those i didn't want to see so many in my collection in in the hidden or whatever so it actually tried to go and delete that and then something happened are you aware of this case or I'm not really is, aware is there a way of... see when you say delete right it's a misnomer right the only way to delete is to send it to some blank wallet or something okay so you're just transferring out of your wallet right yeah. um, but if you transfer you still need to open the metamask and you have to run some transaction okay so i don't know if that did something but it's very unlikely that transferring an nft does something malicious to your wallet i mean i can't possibly see any way that, that would have happened right mm-hmm. so uh, at least it depends on where this was done again if you're doing it on open sea very le- i i can't think of any reason why something like that would happen like i open open sea and i unhide it i just sign in my wallet and it that's it. the nft is there okay it's not doing anything it's not interacting with my wallet in any way Mm-hmm. okay the idea about signing is basically to tell you that this wallet the person who owns this wallet is signing up like you know some like you know you have access to your wallet that's it okay it's not doing anything else it's not running a transaction mm-hmm. right it's a huge difference so, so only yeah tra- let it so i just say let it lie there don't touch with it don't interact with it yeah. it doesn't do any harm if it is there and now after talking to you also even transferring even a transfer transaction wouldn't do anything on open sea itself right yeah i i i i can't uh, i can't really think of any you know way in which something i mean that could be like a fundamental flaw with the nft you know concept itself right i mean it's just going to be like you know uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's like uh, you know that uh, hacking that they have on iPhones right where you don't even have to click a button they just like give you a missed call and if you just get that call your phone is compromised okay oh no <laughs> yeah you know that that's the that's the whole pegasus uh, what do you call that 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 company that does the hacking of uh, you know the exploit uh, on the iPhone right it's a very dangerous it's a it's a it's called a zero click exploit you don't need to click on that's not that doesn't happen on android right so well it happens on android as well yeah on pretty much any smartphone okay you can literally hack the phone without me clicking on anything but uh, the only thing is that software sells for millions of dollars okay so if your phone is hacked you're some really famous person okay <laughs> because people keep selling this data right phone numbers and all are easily available you get yeah. 10 spam calls every day exactly so exactly. So no, just if they, just if they give a missed call, that happens. That's yes. very strange. Yes. So just on a missed call. Just on a missed call. And guess who buy? So here's the thing, uh, Tanmay. You and me cannot afford the software. Okay, it's very expensive. So only governments, secret service agencies, they are the ones who buy the software. Okay, and I think uh, it's like always a cat and mouse game, right? So there are companies that go and hide these exploits. So uh, iOS and Android con- continuously hide these exploits. but the thing with exploits is you never know if an exploit exists okay unless it comes out okay so maybe our phones are compromised but we won't know it okay until so, you are very famous exactly <laughs> and it comes out right and then fine yeah then you know so it, it's it's a complicated world that we are going into right but i think uh, the whole concept of nfts is 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 rock solid in terms of the security aspect where something like that is unlikely to happen okay i mean mm-hmm. you know um, that that would be like uh, that be i i can't i can't think of anything that you know that can have that sort of an effect 
absolutely uh, because of so many nodes that are saved on so many computers and the fundamentals i would definitely make a video for the yeah. non native uh, crypto people about in a blockchain and nfts absolutely so most common uh, most common attacks the spams i've seen is of phishing website yes. not looking the same yes. last week there was somebody who tried to type in foundation and they were taken to some other website that looked exactly like that website and connected right wrote the seed phrase and it was gone yes so i suggest the viewers always to uh, either have a hardware wallet or uh, keep a bookmark of the genuine websites or follow the top organic result on google search yes. not the ad ones so uh, arun let's now go to the next part i wanted to i was so excited to see you in nft nyc as well so yeah. you over there you spoke about two topics uh, such as demo de, the democratizing patronage with nfts and future of nfts gamification and utility so can you tell us a bit more about these two topics yeah absolutely so uh, you know first thing see democratizing patronage was something that i you know that i it was a 5 minute like a rapid fire talk okay just to give people a perspective of what fantify is it was like more like a product pitch like an elevator pitch right so the idea behind that whole talk was when you look at uh, patronage right which is like how have the arts been funded historically uh, it used to be kings and queens okay so if you're uh, somebody with a creative talent you basically gives uh, money to this artist and that guy makes this really amazing sculpture of you and he makes you look good right so that's kind of how art used to be right art is funded not because of the creative it's like the skill level of the artisan to make you look good okay it's kind of like that um, and it used to be you know or maybe temples and religious institutions fund the arts right so that's kind of how patronage has been progressing in historically but uh, in the modern industrial age um, governments you know rich individuals wealthy people they are the ones who now become the patrons of art so what does that say about culture right what is culture culture is like you know what what we all prescribe to right oh this something like this is cool or something like this is exciting okay let's say music right what is a what is a hit song or what's a movie that is popular right sometimes if you go deeper into it there are these power structures like you know big corporations which determine what is good what is art or what is considered cool right so if you look at music i think today music is like terrible if you look at the mainstream music right i mean like there's nothing artistic about it and you're you're going down i mean that's not the future that's good for the next generation okay we need creative talent okay deciding what is good and what is bad and not some top down structure that decides so with democratizing patronage with what is what we are trying to do with fantify we are trying to flip that model around so with the power of your fan base your fans determine what is good or what is bad okay rather than some top corporation that decides that oh you're going to be the next you know pop star right i think the next big mega stars will come from youtube and tiktok and like these creators who have so much of power and following right and fantify will hopefully um, you know be the base on which they can build this you know uh, that's kind of what my talk was when i was talking about 
you know, uh, democratizing patronage, right? Very interesting. Uh, the more we talk about this, uh, I think you, if we, if we study, do a study case of uh, Patreon and other website, I think you, Pandifile get much more larger audience from YouTubers and Twitch channels and other places. That will be the biggest use case for onboarding them into NFTs, not exactly. just buying and selling, but they'll be onboarded to crypto also because of this platform like Pandify. I would definitely recommend anyone I meet. Yeah, Absolutely. So, uh, you, you were saying something when I interrupted and then I also wanted to hear about gamification and utility. Yes, yes, yes. See, that was a that was an interesting panel. Okay, so I don't know how I ended up on that panel. Okay, basically because you know we have this you know for some reason like Fantify and Utility sort of fits in, and some of the other panelists uh, were also you know there was one who like working on like NFTs and real estate, and there was another person who was from uh, you know these big uh, studios that was that were tying physical collectibles with NFTs and things like that, right? So there's a lot of uh, interesting discussions about uh, what is the utility aspect of NFTs, right? And, you know, it's a very touchy topic in the sense like, you know, there are a lot of people who are working on bridging the gap, okay? How to use NFTs in the real world, right? It's kind of how they're looking at it. Oh, if I have an NFT, I can get like a physical good a physical product or something like that, right? I have a, I have a very like extreme view of this. Okay. Maybe I'm very biased. Okay. But I feel that the power of NFTs remains in its digital sphere. Okay. I mean, if you can do something in the physical space without an NFT, then you don't need an NFT. At least according to me, that's kind of how, you know, uh, that's kind of how I, I view it at least today. Why? Okay. I'll give you an example. I've had many artists on Fantify who say, um, uh, I will uh, give you a physical uh, version of this, a print, uh, if you buy my NFT. Okay, it's very common, right? Many artists do that. Okay, I'll tell you where the practical aspect of this sort of falls through, right? One simple one is I cannot do anything about secondary sales. I buy your artwork and find you send me the physical artwork, right? Now, when I do my secondary sale, am I obligated to ship this physical artwork to my secondary? No, right? So it sort of fails the the portability aspect, okay? The beauty of NFTs is that it can transfer from one wallet to another and then me as an artist can continue to get my royalties and the new buyer gets the full utility of this NFT, right? But if it's tied to something physical, it's just not possible to translate that same experience very difficult to do it right so that is problem one the second problem also is in terms of just privacy this is a global concept okay somebody in nigeria can buy my nft right but if i have to send this physical thing to somebody halfway across the world forget about people are having trouble giving you wallet addresses yeah imagine asking somebody for their physical home address so that i can send you something okay so from a privacy point of view as well there's a problem Okay, so during that discussion, we touched upon some of these aspects, okay, that when you're looking at NFTs and you're looking at uh, utility, at least today, it makes more sense to focus your energy in the digital sphere, okay? And I made a strong case that over the next maybe five to 10 years, right, 
your digital footprint is gradually getting bigger and bigger and bigger than your physical footprint. That is what NFTs are all about. Okay, NFT basically is, is telling the world that finally you have something digital that probably is the same or maybe even more valuable than your physical world, right? Think about all the aspects. Today we are having this podcast which is virtual, right? Um, it's prop, uh, it, tomorrow our work environment is also virtual. Okay, everything is moving more and more virtual. So tomorrow, yeah, I might go shopping in a virtual metaverse, you know, and then I'll meet my friends. And guess what? I'll probably be wearing some Nike shoes in the virtual world. Okay. Those Nike shoes will be worth more than the physical Nike shoes probably. I don't know. But you see, it's it's that's the value part of it. The value is increasing the, the digital sphere. For physical getting into digital, the one thing that I'm looking forward to is conferences like NFT NYC yeah. becoming online where we can bump into each other or exactly. have conferences in in, uh, in the decent decentral so about physical i want to give some other uh, points on that i also have sold physical nfts along uh, with the digital nft i am very positive about its physical use case as well suppose uh, birth certificates land records most of these government documents which can be which can get lost or which takes a lot of time to get from the government or uh, which can be manipulated with some time or somewhere the file gets lost or something happens right so if though if those things are on blockchain that might reduce that the that is what i think um, and of course sending it to a physical address and these are things that i had had done offline yeah. so in the unlockable content i was like if you want to receive a physical piece be mailed to me I will send you the details and we can take it ahead from there. I also made a video of how I packaged it and opened it and all that. So what I'm saying is NFTs, even if physical, what they are doing is they're just showing the proof of ownership. That's it. Whether you sell it ahead or don't sell it or how the logistics are done is a different part, but at least who's the owner can be... uh, proved there in, in, in so, those ways. Uh, there's one, only one point I'll add to that. Okay, when you say who's the owner, right? So here's one thing which is a very complicated problem that we're yet to solve in the blockchain crypto ecosystem and this is the aspect of identity. Okay. Everything, <laughs> that, you know, identity is not the same as your wallet address. It's two completely different things. Okay. They're not the same. Okay, and we have pseudom- we have pseudonymous identities in the metaverse, right? Uh, and the minute you want to bridge that gap and bring it to the physical world, we need to prove beyond doubt that you are who you are, right? And there are many projects like Proof of Humanity and lots of other things very well tied into concepts of privacy. And these are complex problems and we're not nowhere near to solving those things. Once those get solved, then you can, you can, uh, NFTs will stream into the physical ecosystem, but not until then. At least that's, you know, that's my mm. point. Proof of humanity. What is that about? See, proof of, check it out. so proof of is humanity. Is that NFT is, or is that physical? No, it's not NFT. So basically the, so the idea is this. Okay. So, um, uh, you know, in a nutshell, okay. Um, 
if i have to if i have to if i have to do something and say that okay let's say uh, i need somebody to prove that who was you know giving me this something is human and it's not automated and it's not or it's like a particular person right let's say i want you to do a transaction with me now okay and i want to make sure that it's you not just your wallet but it's actually you right um so you need to prove beyond doubt that you're human okay so that is tied to what it's tied to all your physical like you know your maybe your social security number it could be based on so many other factors right now the problem with all of these things is privacy right maybe there's a certain level of privacy that we need right so okay let's say i need to prove that whoever comes in is 18 years and above mm-hmm. right now for that to happen okay i need to first of all prove that whoever's coming in is human right and then you're above 18 okay so there are different levels to identity and then there's a wallet through which you sign okay so what proof of humanity is trying to do is trying to create a platform is it a kind of create a concept where you don't have to worry about any of these aspects you set your parameters you say i want only humans okay with this qualification or this criteria to come in through the door and it will prove beyond doubt that this is true without giving any leaking out any privacy related stuff otherwise what will happen i have to have my own kyc at the doorstep no for that i have to take your records i have to do this i have to do that who's willing to do all of those things no one okay that's what that's what we're talking about so the proof of humanity is a very interesting project there's so many this bright id proof of humanity world coin there lots of things but trust me that's is one of the most challenging um uh what do you call problem to solve problems to solve today are they web 2 or are they making use of no it can't be web 2 it has to be decentralized okay it's kind of like what we do with aadhar right okay aadhar is proof of humanity actually but who controls it it's the central government that controls it right they hold all the information in fact i think uh, it if it gets hacked it probably is you never know all our private information is is out there <laughs> okay so <laughs> imagine the same concept but it's decentralized take aadhar but decentralize it okay? okay and make sure that you know the private key that you have the wallet is the only way you can unlock it so that's kind of what we are talking about okay but it's it's, uh, it's got so many layers to it so many layers because that there'll be some next level problems to solve because then again the problem comes of metadata and ipfs which is available everywhere and if it is decentralized anybody can see it and how they can have it Exactly. All, all these things are there. It, in it is not an easy. It's a very, very complex thing. You can see the benefits of of it, right? See, because of Aadhaar, India was really able to streamline its entire like COVID vaccination. Okay, many other countries struggled with with like these sort of things because we had the infrastructure. All you do, it was so easy, right? All you do is just like register your mobile number, SMS, Aadhaar, everything done. Finish. Yes. Okay, it's all done. okay the the it, it is it is very simple but the problem with aadhar is also privacy okay uh, how is it being used how is it being misused you never know okay and that's where things like proof of humanity and like a web3 concept makes so much more sense so about the new york 
how was the whole experience traveling there attending the two day conference and how how was it tell so, us more about it yeah so you know i think uh, i think in a, uh, i think when uh, last year's nyc uh, you know nft nyc sort of set the benchmark okay they're like the marquee nft event okay everyone has did to you go this. last year as well no no i didn't go last year but last year the event was there was so much of hype around it it was like oh you this is the place to be right so we took on an early sponsorship when they announced okay it was a lot cheaper for us so we just took an early sponsorship i think last year itself we wrote to them and we got a sponsorship right at that time even eth prices were high and they were getting sponsorships in eth so we said okay great fantastic and we took it but the last 6 months you know the the story has changed right so when we what was really interesting was when we when we were there at the event the energy levels were so high okay that it felt like this we are in the boom time or something okay everyone is like uh, you know there's like a buzz of activity in fact there was so much of chaotic activity everywhere that it's not really a place where you can have meetings and like sit down and have some deep like conversations if you cannot okay it's sort of this wild party okay one event after the other it's just like craziness all over right it's like a carnival okay it's kind of what it is because uh, of course there were a lot of panels discussions and stuff like that but um, there were so many things happening at the same time there were 1500 speakers okay so i mean it's impossible to be everywhere at all the time so you have to make choices where you want to be right and i think uh, to some extent a few things you know were not were not were little poorly organized you know there was there was a sit in dinner people were giving a talk no one is really caring they're all like having dinner you know it was like just noisy <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then you know so things like that okay so it could have been maybe better organized is not exactly like a conference where you go and network and meet people okay it's more like a it's like a cross between like an event conference party uh, all sorts of craziness <laughs> right but yeah it has a good vibe okay and uh, met a lot of really wonderful people was able to meet people that you speak on spaces in real life okay so that was little it was very unique okay so um but otherwise yeah man it was it was great will i do it again i don't know you know let's see it all depends you know it all depends on we were just thinking how many of the people who have these stalls and who are coming here will come again next year okay how many will survive this difficult period you know so that was really the question everyone was asking okay who will survive everyone right? was asking yeah yeah i mean it, it's it definitely was a common talk Yeah, it was, was an it open discussion. Yeah, it is an open. The vibe is there, okay, because they all know that things are not going to be easy going forward. The next six months to a year, it's going to be hard. So who's going to survive? You know, who's going to be here again next year? <laughs> and I think the ones who can survive this and be there the next year will have a long future. So mm-hmm. it's all it's all about keeping your head above the water. <laughs> so how was the overall ROI for the whole trip and for? uh the whole hustle of being there and participating <laughs> in these sort of things it's very difficult to uh, to really calculate any form of roi okay i wish it was a, i wish i had a simple answer but sometimes i feel these 
marketing expenses that you just do, right? You just put the money in and then it's like gambling. Okay, if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's very difficult to manage. That's why I hope we have more digital events. Okay, I, I'm, you know, I, that would be so much better. Okay, uh, just having the ability to like, you know, network with people, but in a digital global scale, amazing. I'm really hoping that we'll have something like that. We are doing that in a way with Twitter Spaces, right? Yes. So I invite you again once to join on the Twitter absolutely, Space. Yeah, absolutely. But what's the problem there is, you know, they have to listen only to the speakers. <laughs> like on a conference, you can talk amongst the audience itself, right? Audience can talk amongst themselves. Just <laughs> give it another two, three years, Tanmay. I'm pretty sure with the kind of VR headsets that we're going to get, that are going to come out on the market and the fidelity with which we can interact with each other, even podcasts like this, uh, I think 2025, your podcast, we probably will be sitting on a sofa. It will look absolutely real. Okay, we'll have the ah, sound, sound so cool. and, you know, whatever, man. You know, it's going to be amazing. Okay, so you want, you can't make out the difference. Okay, the resolution will be and the fidelity will be so high that, you know, I literally can look into your eyes and speak. Okay, and that's kind of what it is, right? So... I'm pretty sure we'll come to that point. But once that happens, I think all these physical spaces where you go meet people and actually interact with them, people will not really resonate with that. They will be still be there, but a small portion of it. I think it'll be more fun to, you know, I don't know, controversial subject, but I'm I'm <laughs> looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, actually... The only point that attracts me about going to these big events is people that usually don't come up to together on spaces or yes event ke bahane or with with an excuse for the event everybody is coming together right yeah. even in NFT uh, Namaste NFT that was my first and only event for NFTs I've been to and which we met there as well I made it a point more than attending events of course apart from the yeah. panel I was on. Uh, and couple of others, I spend most of the time meeting uh, people in the audience, passers-by, people coming in new, uh, just going and asking them what what brought them to NFTs, how I could do something for them, or what we do, and met so many people, the creators of uh, uh, many finance-related companies, transaction, transact-related. Uh, there were some professors who was uh, early adopter of Bitcoin, so many interesting people that I've met. I'm trying to get them on this podcast also soon. So that is the only thing that attracts me about real life events. Right. So I I hope that comes on to de- decentralized as well. No, absolutely. I'm pretty sure it will be at a much higher level. Okay. So you will have the opportunity to meet people who will probably never travel to these physical places. Right. After. <laughs> Exactly right. I mean, it, it, it's just gonna it's just gonna take it to another level. Okay, and and you know, so that's gonna be great. Very interesting. So there is NFT London also coming up. Any yeah, yeah. There's NFT London. Uh, there's a Paris one. So now what has happened is with me attending one space, I keep getting spam emails. Okay, every city NFT. <laughs> you know, so everyone is ha- ha- you know sort of maximizing it. Okay, they, they want to have their own like cities uh, you know NFT event now. But let's so see. Is, it the, is NFT London the same organizer of NFT yeah. uh, NYC? Yes, it's the same. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. 
I am thinking of going. My main plan was for NFT NYC next year, uh-huh. uh, but I'm going to apply and keep for the speakers at NFT London as well in coming days. So, um, how? What are the tips that you would give me for who is going to go for the first time? Places. <laughs> I I. Or people in the listeners who are interested in going at those events. So you know one thing that you know I think I think with events uh, you know the best thing to do you know with with events is is plan early okay in terms of like you know like especially when it comes to like you know events uh, maximizing your time is is important okay so think of it like you know there's a everyone is congregating at one place but you have only so many hours okay to meet so what i tend to do you know and then i've been to many events okay so i've attended many industry events and stuff like that so what i do is i tend to plan at least like say a month or two in advance right uh, make a list of people that you potentially would like to meet right and then reach out to them well in advance okay and have something set in the calendar right um this is easier said than done because uh, when you are new to an event you don't know the layout okay? you don't know what's going on so that was a problem for me this time because i didn't know how nft nyc is is set up right but i remember that in the previous events that i used to go industry events i would know that there's a cafe here i would know that there's a lounge here and stuff like that right so it's really easy so you can say like hey we can meet here this this day this time so you have this calendar if you can master that and have a way in which you can slot out your schedule you can truly maximize it that's one tip the second tip i would not you know if you're going alone don't like take a stall or like you know don't park yourself in one place okay if you have a team then you can do many things but i find it much more effective to just like walk around and meet people it's a lot cheaper to do that okay you don't like you know you don't take a sponsorship at the stall then you are waiting there and people have to come to you okay it's really difficult uh, but if you walk around you know you can you can like meet 10 times more people and make that many more connections than just like staying in one place that's the only two things here if you can take care of those two things right you can really um, you know maximize uh, your time at, at events of this sort amazing amazing how was your experience at bangalore namaste nft that was interesting okay that was like uh, you know i th- i thought i thought uh, you know the team pulled off a fantastic uh, fantastic event uh, you know we got a lot of people who came and asked like what is it that we are doing and we are, I, i you know there was not a minute that i was free okay every time i finish explaining something somebody else is standing in the queue oh tell me also like you know so i was like constantly doing that it was really really exciting okay and, and very interesting to meet so many people in you know who are interested in this space okay so that was uh, can, that was a good thing just i'm just going to drop a joke in between uh-huh. you can have like an ivr for that <laughs> so people who are coming in the first in the queue listen to this this is the general overview and then we can talk about your individual questions oh man that, that's the thing no even though all the information is there they want to hear it from you okay in fact i had people you know who wanted to sit there and open an account they wanted to like okay i i'd like to upload my work now can you sit with me i'm like listen can you do it after some time like you know so there was a lot of excitement okay met a lot of very interesting people you know uh, made a lot of good friends as well okay so 
uh, I, I think uh, I think it was all in all. I'm looking forward to next year. Okay, so I think next year it will be an even even bigger event, hopefully. But let's hope they maintain the momentum. Okay, so that's yeah. that's what is important. No matter the market, uh, this uh, events at least they bring out the cherries uh, which are there who are still yes. going all in and. <clears throat> So uh, just for a fanify as well, I'm sure you have done it or you're in the process of doing it. Mm-hmm. Make this uh, how-to videos that yes. are very uh, efficient in saying people this and that. So Absolutely. for all those people I met and I transferred that Po app or that uh, NFT that happened at Namaste NFT, I actually made a video okay. that I had promised you and I've delivered this. This is the way you create your MetaMask wallet. You have to send me this address and this is where you'll see it on OpenSea and this is how you unhide it. So like (laughs) step by step, (laughs) guiding them to all the steps and it's there on YouTube. So this is for everybody. Oh, absolutely. I did the the same for my brother also who has published the book. So if you have bought my brother's book, I want to send you this special NFT that I've made. So definitely for future projects like that, I'm going to use uh, Fandify. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I absolutely will look forward to it. Amazing. One question of bit. Sure. You're a person with technology background. What are the tools that you use? Uh, that you in, sense, in what in what sense? Productivity tools or any ah. other tools that has changed your life, made it easier. <laughs> Actually, it's this. Okay. It's a fountain pen. Okay, and <laughs> you still use a fountain pen? Yes, and it's a and it's a book. Okay, I'm telling you. So even though I'm in the technology side of things, I I use a lot of tools, but the most effective one has been this. Okay, why fountain pen? Well, see, <laughs> your, fountain pen. Yeah, <laughs> that takes so much manual work and refilling and all that. Exactly, I've never seen fountain work in such a long time. <laughs> So, you know, why? I'll tell you. It becomes like a, and it's beautiful when you write, right? It feels good. Okay. It feels like, you know, it feels like you're doing something like important, right? Um, it's right? like an artist with a brush. And yeah, absolutely. I so, I don't know, man. I, I've used many productivity tools, but this thing that has really worked is just a simple pen and, and like, you know, and a, and a journal where, you know, you can make like your weekly plan and you have a daily plan, okay? And just the aspect of putting pen on paper and writing that, um, it's physical. Uh, the, the thing with digital is that digital is distracting it. You have to hide it, okay? It's not in your face. Here, there's a physical object that's in front of you. If I just look at it, right, I know if today I've been productive or not because I can see everything scratched out, I feel good. Today was good. Okay. Right. Um, if I use a tool, right, I have no idea. I have to look at some report or something. Okay. It, it just, you know, it sends me some notification. It does some stuff, but then it makes it more complicated, 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 unnecessary complications. Okay. But here it's right there and I can actually see my entire history. Okay. I have these stacked pages of all the stuff that I've done. It feels good when you sleep through it. You're like, oh, shit. Yeah, let's go. It's all stacked out. The, the book feels lighter now. Yes. So, <laughs> so Arun, uh, what gets you the most excited about the future? Um, well, 
what gets me ex- most excited about the future is like i would say when i look at my kids and and i look at i have uh, you know twin boys who are like uh, going to turn 13 okay and i look at all aspects of their life okay and i compare it with what i had to go through when i was their age right um everything looks positive okay i mean this is might not be a very popular opinion i think every, everyone has like like a negative opinion about it okay in terms of oh kids today they don't play outside they don't do this they don't do that and all of that okay There's so many complaints about this right but um i i'll tell you where i see the immense like the positive aspect of it okay the quality of conversations that i can have with my kids and i remember the quality of conversations that i had when they, i was their age is like huge difference okay and the reason for that is that at such a young age they are able to absorb like so much okay of of stuff that it has a very positive way of uh, looking at the future okay i just i just know for a fact that it's going to be better are there any downsides absolutely there are lots of downsides to every aspect okay but the upside to all of this uh, is is i think uh, far outweighs it okay and uh, i think looking at it from a future point of view that's kind of how i would say like you know it's uh, 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 i have a very positive very very positive outlook uh, when it comes to the future just because when i look at my kids and i do a comparison wow i mean it's like day and night okay i i know for a fact that there'll be a lot better version of me than i am <laughs> that's it <laughs> so twin boys who are all ready for the future getting to learn so many things from their dad who is uh, a genius himself so that's very nice i'm so hoping to it, learn from them <laughs> does does twins mean a double trouble <laughs> well i wouldn't know because i don't know uh, what it means to have just one right so i don't know <laughs> so sometimes it feels like uh, you know well you know i think sometimes it's 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 easy okay because they have each other and like you know you can get off okay a few things ah, yeah. so it they're works not complaining in- they're not yes. complaining bore ho raha hai or i'm getting exactly. bored they're, they're just cute with each other Absolutely. You always have a friend. <laughs> they are never, never alone. It gets easier. So they're, they're looking forward to meet them when I come to Bangalore next. Absolutely. Arun, what is on your bucket list next? On my bucket list, on uh, my bucket list is um, like immediate. Any? It's an open, open-ended. Open-ended question. question. Well, on my bucket list is uh, I recently got into aquascaping. Okay, so I have a an aquarium that I need to set up here with with like plants and like some exotic, uh, you know, like I'm I'm just like getting into this hobby, right? Uh, so I'm really really looking forward to it. So the next you know few days I'm going to immerse myself into it. I always do these I things. Here. I I keep getting into new projects, okay? So, I do my own brewing. I brew my own beer as well. So, I also do that. Oh. So, uh that's another obsession. So, I've got a I've got a I've got a new case of stout that I need to brew. So, that's also on the on my next bucket list. That's it. My bucket lists are very simple stuff, you know. That's it, you know. That's very 
that's very interesting fun facts i didn't know about you uh and aquascaping is the new term that i heard landscaping and aquascaping <laughs> basically setting up an aquarium right having an aquarium oh, these are different aquariums okay when you look at an aquascape aquarium it looks like a miniature world okay it's got like plants it's got like mountains it's got like trees it's 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 mm. it's just something absolutely and it's its own ecosystem okay so the plants produce like you know nutrients the fish eat it and then it sort of cycles yeah yeah so it's wow. it's it's almost like making your own little world and it's self contained world so you don't have to drop food and all it just goes on on its own it stands by itself yes you don't even have to change the water i mean these are the two things that uh, yes. people with aquarium yeah. so you don't need to change the water you don't need a heater all you need is like artificial lighting on top from sunlight point of view that's it and then everything that is just down <laughs> that shuts down and off and on in 12 hours like exactly like that exactly hours. exactly it's like uh, it's like it's a very creative way an outlet okay it's almost like you're you're creating nature like a like a piece of nature inside like you know do you have a fan if i back is token to fund that <laughs> <Or do you? laughs> i'm i'm still a very very amateur hobbyist So once we'll make a bigger one with that. Maybe I'll do something with my brewing. Okay, so who knows? See, at the end of the day, what I try and the way I look at it is like I try every every different thing because if this doesn't work out with Fantify, at least I have some other vocations I can take on. <laughs> <laughs> that's very interesting. I see a guitar. Oh, is that a cello or a guitar? No, no, that's hey, a please. That's a guitar, which. doesn't have a string so if you're asking me to play something i no, no. <laughs> bye is just a show piece uh, aren't you playing it oh man no, i i i'm not like one of those guys who can play very well okay i i have a very uh, what do you call uh, what can i say i'm very very nervous when i play guitar in front of anyone okay so maybe some other time definitely not for you i'd like you to end your podcast on a high on a high note not on a on a this you know what you call a badly tuned note <laughs> no yeah, i turn on the guitar <laughs> but definitely the the it not being strung i mean you having the string separately saved your uh day <laughs> but definitely looking forward to it do join the saturday space you know Absolutely. where uh, we encourage we have so many musicians not musicians but artists or collectors or any other people with additional hobby of singing or playing a music instrument and that was the first time for so many people and they really enjoyed it and i enjoyed it we enjoyed listening to it so definitely want to hear you all playing that absolutely so, uh, <laughs> Saturday, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Drop in any time you want. And, Great man! Uh, I'll definitely try and drop in uh, during your space for sure. I've always enjoyed your, uh, you know, your your spaces. So I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely, it was an amazing conversation today, and so much you got to know. I will drop any specific links that you want me to share with the audience. I will drop it down there along with your uh, Twitter handles and. Yeah, it's always amazing. Very insightful uh, to talk with you, all the listeners. Uh, if you have any question about blockchains or Web three, uh, Arjun, uh, um, 
he puts it very well arun puts it very well and explains in very simple terms we talked about in detail about ipfs last time you, when he was on the space any given topic on web3 is the person to go so do follow him on twitter and uh, you can ask him about any questions and of course get his fandify <laughs> back as token for the aquarium and all the projects he's done the brewery and other projects he's into so yes any any final words or anything you want to share with uh, us arun um nothing uh, nothing in particular tanmay uh, uh, i think uh, i think we are going through a, a very interesting phase okay and it's like the early days of the internet i would say so you know despite all the the craziness around the people who are going to stick uh, stick uh, you know stick on and like this is the time to build okay so you know um, really excited for the next couple of years this is going to be like world changing for sure looking forward to it very interesting i am also looking forward to it uh, web3 has changed my life for the best and uh, going to be there we are going to be together in the journey uh, thank you once again arun thank you thanks for tuning in connect with me on twitter and instagram to get updates on the new shows and to participate on live recordings all links are mentioned in the show notes we will be back next week with another fantastic episode